0: of kpfa in berkeley california it's flashpoints on pacifica radio my name is mike biggs today on the program we are proud to present part one of a four-part documentary series that flashpoints is produced on the 355 mile farm workers pilgrimage this is produced and hosted by miguel gavilan molina all this straight ahead on flashpoints don't go anywhere
1: Miguel Gavilar Molina reporting for Flashpoints. Pues, uh, here we are today. It's uh, Wednesday, August the 3rd, uh, 2022. And we find ourselves in the Leno, California, on the uh, epic uh, pilgrimage uh, spiritual walk that's been taking place today from the Leno to de Sacramento, a 335 uh, mile walk. Uh, which will take 24 days. And today the weather has been okay. There's a little breeze in the shade, but not in the sunlight. <laughs>
2: My name is Freewell and Franklin and tonight we are sharing some sounds from the UFW and their March slash pilgrimage to the governor's office to demand his signature on AB 2183, the right to unionize without fear of intimidation or retaliation. The march will be 24 days and 335 miles in the summer heat of the Central Valley of California. To get some more background on this pilgrimage, let's check out this interview with United Farm Workers President Teresa Romero, produced by First Voice graduate, Sarah Blanco.
3: Hello, I'm Sarah Blanco and joining us today is Teresa Romero, president of the United Farm Workers, the UFW. She has been president for over three and a half years. She was formerly the secretary, treasurer for the UFW, and prior to joining the UFW, she managed a construction company and a law firm that helped workers with immigration and workers' compensation claims. She is an immigrant from Mexico. Teresa will be talking with us about the upcoming march from Delano to Sacramento, a pilgrimage for 24 days and 335 miles, where people will walk from Delano, California to Sacramento starting on August 3rd. And it is for California Governor Gavin Newsom's signature on AB 2183, the California Ag Labor Relations Voting Choice Act. Welcome, Teresa.
4: Thank you very much, Sarah.
3: Can you start first with maybe sharing one story, just something that's notable for you as you went along your journey to becoming the first Latina and first immigrant woman to become president of a national union in the United States?
4: Something that comes to mind. You know, Sarah, when I um, started working for the union, I thought I was going to be working for the union for a couple of years. Uh, it was at the time where the recession started. One of the first things that goes, you know, slows down is construction. So I decided, you know, that I needed to find a job just in case. And I started working with the union, thinking I'll be here for a couple of years and then i go back to my business. When I started talking to the people that we represent, when is when I started interacting with them, when I started just understanding the challenges that they have. I thought to myself, I'm not going anywhere. And of course, I never thought I would become the president of the United the United Farm Workers. I remember my dad was very ill when the union uh, decided that I would become the, you know, the person that was going to succeed Arturo. And I went to see them because I got a, a, a um, note from my sister that he was not responding. So I went to see them and I'm talking to him and I'm telling him, I, pro- I hope he's proud of me that that uh, the union has decided that I was going to be the president of the UFW, but my dad had no reaction. And like at three o'clock in the morning, he wakes up, he has a big smile because we all are there. He doesn't realize that he had not, he had, you know, how ill he is. And when he, when I uh, was giving him something to eat, all of a sudden he stops and he says, how come you're going to be the president of the United States? And I thought it was just so, you know, in his in his unconsciousness, he heard what he wanted to hear. I was sharing, I'm going to be the president of the U- UFW, and I hope he's proud of me, but he heard something else. So he went to his grave thinking that I was going to be the president of the United States. <laughs>
3: Oh, what a beautiful story. I love hearing especially yeah. that um, that you had to we ha- were able to have that conversation, and also that it sounds like it's all of the good work that UFW has done and the people themselves and the workers themselves that, that really helped you uh, stay motivated to, to want to do the job.:
4: <laughs> Absolutely, and, and, it's, and you know what? They still motivate me to continue to do the job. There are big, many challenges that we have to face, but knowing at the end, I, I remember another thing. There were times at the beginning when I was so frustrated. And I would get home and and I would say, "Why am I doing this? Why did I say yes?" And one day, my daughter says, "Why do you say yes, mom?" And my immediate answer, without even thinking about it, was, "For the benefit of farm workers, of course." She said, "Okay, so that's why you're doing it." But it, it they 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 keep me. Focused, they keep me grounded, they motivate me as uh, to, to work harder because they work so hard to put food on our tables. They are the people that that we need to be thinking about because without them, we wouldn't have the food that we had, they enjoy every day.
3: Absolutely. And let's be real, the challenges that farm workers faced long before the COVID pandemic um, were extreme, right? Um, many workers don't face a lot of those challenges.
4: You know, farm workers have a difficult job and have had it for many decades. And when the pandemic hit, um, we we were so blessed that we had supporters that donated um, masks that we could distribute to farm workers. And especially in the farms that uh, we don't have a contract because we knew that that's where they weren't going to need them. They gave us uh, uh, um, cleaning supplies, And and we were able to distribute that. But unfortunately, you know, I had the benefit of being able to work remotely. Many of us did, they didn't. And because also they're mostly undocumented, all the programs that were approved by the federal government excluded farm workers because they're not documented. And it was, you know, adding insult to injury. They're working in, in some areas where the temperatures as you know, uh, are getting hotter and hotter in Washington and, uh, and Oregon. We're having temperatures right now of 110 degrees where that that wasn't heard of. And uh, we have been able to pass uh laws that would protect farm workers now, also including Oregon and, and Washington, to protect them from the from the heat, the high temperatures, where they could have a rest period where we could, they can ensure. The workers are going to have fresh water, cold, fresh water, as they work during the day, where they're going to have a shaded area. So when they have lunch or they have a break, they have a shade, shaded area where they can rest for a few minutes. That has saved lives and will continue to save lives. But we, we need to add to that the fact that the fires the last few years have been um, tremendous. And farm workers continue to work in areas where this, the, the, the air quality is, is horrendous. But again, we have been able to receive donations of a N95 masks that we have been able to distribute to those areas and making sure that the workers are aware of the rights and know that, that wearing the mask is going to protect them some from the, the, the air quality. But it's not an easy job. It's the challenges are there in our everyday. Um, and we we represent we I have the honor of representing people who work hard, give it their give it their all, and and are proud of the work that they do. But we want to make sure that these workers are recognized and they have the same um, protections that other workers have. And when you have in places like Oregon, uh, that the the law says that a twelve year old can work in the fields, it's just tell me any any other any, any other job that a 12 year old legally can do it's just not not fair
3: and the idea that you know a lot of us got to work from home whereas they had to go in who knows what kind of conditions they were traveling there in with other people right couldn't isolate potentially either at work or in transportation, or even at home. I mean, I also think about just some of the basic work of stooping or to be hunched over for any long period of time. So the struggles are definitely many. And so Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta had long been fighting for some basic things like water and and bathrooms and such. Just the idea that climate crisis is compounding it all, plus the pandemic, I also think about the simple fact that we could be sitting down in the shade and still get heat exhaustion. It's yes, it's it's just unbelievable uh, heroes truly yes. to put food on our table.
4: Uh, it, yes and you know what we had invited all 100 u s. senators to work in the field just because we are also pushing an immigration bill that would give farm workers a path to legalization, the ability to go to their, homes and visit relatives that they haven't seen in years and sometimes decades and we had two senators that um agreed to do it senator alex Patilla from california and senator cory booker from new jersey and they did it they worked in the fields for 6 hours and i can tell you that at the end of the day they were exhausted their backs were hurting they 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 just and we're talking about two senators then that understand that the the, the farm workers uh, have a very important job in our country, not only to put for our table, but it's a, our food security, and it gave them a different level of understanding for these workforce. And I think I'm the type of person that I I say, you know, the only way you know how difficult it is is when you have done it, or when you take the time to listen to farm workers and learn from them their 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 challenges, their their, their uh, fights every day that they have to find the energy to work eight, 10, 12 hours sometimes. It's, it's if, if, you, if you don't talk to farm workers, no, not talk to farm workers, if you don't listen to farm workers or have worked in the fields, it is very difficult for anybody to truly understand uh, how challenging this work is.
3: The UFW is sponsoring a walk with farm workers, a pilgrimage for 24 days and 335 miles, where people will walk from Delano, California to Sacramento in this blazing heat starting on August 3rd. And it is for California Governor Gavin Newsom's signature on AB 2183, the California Ag Labor Relations Voting Choice Act. Late last year, a similar measure. A. B. six one. Six was vetoed by California Governor Gavin Newsom. And according to the UFW, it would have allowed workers union voting from home and allow them to cast a secret ballot in many of the same ways that California voters did in the recall election. Protests against this veto were staged on Cesar Chavez Day of this year. And uh, according to the UFW, Governor Gavin Newsom refused to meet with elected worker leaders, even when some marched to Newsom's personal owned winery. Why do the farm workers have to continuously sacrifice in order to get basic rights? What is the Voting Choice Act?
4: Sarah, in California, when we vote for elected officials, when we voted for governor, when we voted in the recall, we do it in, in in a way that we have options. You can do it in person if you want. You can get a, a mailing ballot if you want. You can ask somebody to help you fill out the ballot if you want. And you can ask somebody to deliver it to the mail or to the to the uh, uh, um, voting uh, uh, places if you want to. So those are the things that we want for farm workers. Right now, the only way farm workers can vote whether or not they want union representation is at the employer's premises. Um, after farm workers were uh, 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 threatened, Some of them fired for the support of a union. So having only that option does not promote participation. We have seen in California that having those options has increased the number of people that are able to vote in in whatever election. Last year, we uh, introduced the bill and during the recall time, do you know what farm workers were doing? They cannot vote because many of them are undocumented, but they were knocking on doors. To make sure that people would go and vote against the recall. And a week later, Gavin Newsom vetoed the bill. We are reintroducing the same bill. And unfortunately, every gain that we that we are able to obtain for farm workers, it is a fight. It is a battle. It takes years. And one of the ways that we, as a union, have been able to get attain, the attention of legislators, of supporters and governors is by marching because it is something that nobody else does. Nobody else has marched, you know, 300 miles, 400 miles, whatever it is, uh, to bring attention to the plight of farm workers. And Gavin Newsom knows this is last year and this year, this is the most important bill for farm workers. And we're going to make sure that our supporters, other farm workers, legislators, know, other labor unions, know that we are going to sacrifice this much because that's what it takes to get uh, legislation in favor of farm workers. Nothing has been easy for, for, for them. So we're willing to go again to this extent to make sure that the governor understands that this is something that if if having options to vote for him, It is good enough for him. It should be good enough for farm workers.
3: And even though the type of voting is different, right? Uh, Labor voting for um, in labor relations or voting for who's governor, the uh, idea is still the same choice uh, and the right to vote free of harassment. Also important to note that fairly early during the pandemic, Governor Newsom did come out with news about pandemic assistance for farm workers. He also appeared a calming spirit amidst the pandemic. But some notable vetoes on his part include, at the end of 2020, Flashpoints reported that Liberal Governor Newsom vetoed SB-1257, which would have given domestic workers the right to health and safety precautions and protections. We've been speaking with Teresa Romero. President of the United Farm Workers, the UFW is sponsoring a walk with farm workers, a pilgrimage for 24 days and 335 miles. The upcoming pilgrimage will retrace the route of the historic trek that Cesar Chavez led in 1966 from Del Leno all the way to the state capitol in Sacramento. And that was to place farm workers' grievances before the governor and and the legislature. Please tell us about kickoff day. Tell us about this pilgrimage. Um, what can we expect along the travels?
4: We're going to be starting on August 3rd in Delano at 40 Acres, which is a historic site. That's what Caesar, uh organized uh, for many years and continues to be a place where farm workers uh, feel comfortable at one point, even when we were you know, trying to get farm workers vaccinated, they were afraid. What if when I give my information, they do something with it? The moment they knew that we were going to get uh, vaccines at 40 acres, thousands of farm workers get, came to get vaccinated. So that is a historic site. And we're going to be starting on August 3rd. We're going to, there is in our website, there is already a schedule from where to where each day. And we ask people to join us, to make calls to the governor and say, you need to sign this bill. This is important for farm workers. They are the ones that are putting food on our table. And we want to make sure that as many emails, as many calls that our supporters can make so he understands that this is something that not only the UFW and our movement wants, but also the consumers that are enjoying the the fruits of of this hard labor are uh, interested and are wanting to get these for farm workers. Who's actually marching? We have a a, new, a number of farm workers that are going to be the the um full-time workers that are marching. I'm going to be one of those people I'm going to be marching the, for full time. And what we're doing is in at every city that we're going to be get, getting to and we're going or we're going to be starting many people join us just for that day for half a day. But it is to in solidarity uh, uh, for farm workers, we have a committee that is working on having uh, at the end of the day, you know, a, a reception of these uh, marches that are sacrificing so much. People are going to be there. People are going to be bringing some entertainment in some cases. They want to feed us there. We want to make this a part of the community. They are the people that are benefiting from uh, uh, the sacrifices of the farm workers.
3: How do you intend to try to keep people safe from the heat and even violence while while walking along the roads?
4: You know, as you know, we're a nonviolent group marches that we've had. We have not experienced it, but we're uh, engaging every every police station in every town to let them know what we're doing. We're going to have people that are going to be knowledgeable. And if any of our workers, any of our marchers, any of our supporters are, are showing some signs, of any heat illness, we would put them in a car, we would drive them for a mile, we're in an air-conditioned place where they can recuperate themselves and make sure that they're safe. We're not putting anybody in, in danger. We are making sure that these marchers are going to be protected and that we're not going to, you know, we are the ones that fight for heat illness protections, and we're going to make sure they're enforced.
3: The kickoff for the Farm Workers March from Delano to Sacramento for Governor Newsom's signature is going to be August 3rd at 8 a.m. at the 40-acre site in Delano, California. It will start at 8 a.m., and I believe they're going to depart at 8.30. There'll be a mass and blessings at 8 a.m., and um, all walkers will depart at 8.30. So, August 3rd from Delano to August 26th to Sacramento. And there is a map on their website that will tell you all of the different stops and journeys. Um, and of course, their website will tell you more about the overall process and history of the UFW. Uh, you know, I, I keep thinking, like, how many times do they need to make a pilgrimage for the same things, you know, over and over? Mm-hmm. The same, the same things that countless other workers and job fields already enjoy. I also think about the beauty of this, but it is a, a very large sacrifice. One, they are putting themselves out there publicly. Two, the heat is intense, and we think about all of these different sacrifices that people make for spiritual reasons and here for basic human rights and and a right to to vote without intimidation and harassment. I want to thank you so much, Teresa Romero, for joining us. And uh, Flashpoints will be there along the pilgrimage. Is there anything else you'd like people to know or mo- or how they can get more information?
4: They can go to our website. They can call our offices if they want more information. We are wanting them to be a part of this because, like you said, this is historic. And I want to thank Flashpoints for giving us the opportunity to talk about it, for you being there and being part of history, Sarah, because we once again are doing something that we have to work harder, that we have to sacrifice more to get any gains for farm workers when it is time that they're treated like any other worker in this country. Thank
3: you so much, Teresa Romero.
4: Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you very much for really doing this for farm workers.
3: All right. Thank you. And we'll we'll see you on the road.
4: We'll see you on the third. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
3: For Flashpoints, I'm Sarah Blanco.
2: You just heard First Voice graduate Sarah Blanco speaking with the United Farm Workers President, Teresa Romero. Thank you, Sarah B. and thank you, Teresa, for being such a courageous leader of this historic union, the UFW. That interview first aired on Flashpoints in the lead up to the march to Sacramento for the governor's signature. So fast forward from that interview. And now members of the La Onda and Full Circle crew have packed up and headed down here to Delano for the kickoff of the march. Once we arrived at the world-famous 40-acre site in Delano, there were already hundreds of people gathering there for the kickoff of this historic event. And we kicked off the show with an in-depth interview with Teresa Romero, the current president of the UFW. Now let's hear from these powerful women as they fired up the crowd just before the march began. Here they are speaking to the crowd of 200 plus people who showed up for the kickoff of this historic pilgrimage. And remember, this was a bilingual event, but I did do some editing for our English speaking audiences, but you will hear a little English and a little Spanish. Check it out.
5: Vamos a presentar a nuestra líder de la Unión de Campesinos, Teresa Romero, que se encuentra acá detrás de mí. (laughs) Pásela, Teresa.
4: Muy buenos días. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank everybody for being here in support of farm workers. These are the people that put food on our tables every single day. Farm workers continue to work to put food on our tables. They do it. Under the pandemic, they do it uh, at high temperatures, when there is fires, when there is pesticides being sprayed, and they're every day in the fields, harvesting the food that we enjoy every day. Farm workers are essential workers. Let's treat them like essential workers. We are here to make sure that this pilgrimage, that many workers are joining, many supporters like you are joining, is going to represent what we have done throughout our history with Cesar Chavez with Dolores Huerta and all those uh, people who came before us. <laughs> Quiero darle las gracias Dolores por favor si ven Dolores quisiera ella está aquí con nosotros y yo quisiera que también nos dijera unas palabras porque ella es una de las fundadoras de nuestro movimiento y uh, le agradezco muchísimo que esté aquí hoy con nosotros Si se puede. So uh, I just want to say thank all of you for being here. This is such an important march that you're doing. We know that California is one of the richest states in the, in the United States of America. And the Central Valley here contributes to that wealth by all of the agriculture. And so we want the growers to know. And we want this march to reach their hearts and their consciousness to know why the farm workers contribute
6: to
7: their wealth, the farm worker families are still very poor and the children are very poor and we should not be second class or third class citizens so with your march and
4: all the sacrifice that you're doing we hope that this will reach the consciousness and the hearts of the growers and also the heart of the governor, okay? So, si se puede y adelante Thank you very much
5: Thank you so much, Teresa, uh, uh, Dolores, <laughs> uh, for your kind words. I'd just like to give a recognition for, raise your hand if you uh, are someone who joined the original march in 1966, please raise your hand. All right. We are Dolores, of course, El Capitan, Señor Roberto Bustos, anybody else? I didn't catch them. Has anybody raised your if you joined the 1994 historic pilgrimage that took place from Delano to Sacramento. Wow, we have a young man here. That's fantastic. And Dolores, of course. And you too, brother.
2: Unas palabras. We marched to Sacramento in 1966. And to me, this brings a lot of memories. A lot of memories from the 40 acres. We This is where we were fighting the companies, the growers from this place. Five years. We've seen each other here. Five years in Delano working and fighting for our rights farm workers. The 1966, I was named El Capitan of the 1966 march to the Lenos to Sacramento. And I'm here again. I'm still marching. Hey! <laughs> los pe- para los peregrinos. Let me tell you, peregrinos, we we already paved the road to Sacramento. You can't get lost. Follow, follow our footprints. You're going to see our footprints along the way. Si sí se puede con El Capitan. <speaking in Spanish> Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and kpfa.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. We are listening to the kickoff of the march to sacramento for the governor's signature this is a 24 day 335 mile pilgrimage to get the governor's signature on ab 2183 the right for farm workers to unionize without fear of intimidation or retaliation also there to kick off the event in a prayerful manner were members of aim the american indian movement this is shirley garcia of the mono tribe and Wounded Knee, both of the American Indian Movement.
5: From the Mono tribe, please welcome Shirley Garcia, who's going to welcome us into prayer.
7: Good morning and welcome. Um, thank you for taking care of the land. Thank you for coming and being here to um, to walk on this special event. Um, my name is Shirley Guevara. I'm a Dunlap Band of Monos. Uh, they couldn't speak, find anybody at short notice to the, from the Yolkut community, but... Uh, monos and yokitsers are very similar in what we do. And before we even start an event, before we start a meeting, before we start anything, we offer a prayer because we are here on Grandmother Earth and, and she gives everything to us so that we can live and we can survive as people. And so I would just like to offer a quick prayer. Grandfather, thank you for everything. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for all the folks that have joined us here today to walk this walk. Thank you for our elders Thank you for those that went before us. Grandfather, we ask for a special blessing for those little ones that will be coming in, that we would take in our places. Thank you for the farm workers who work in the fields to bring the food to the table. We worked alongside with them as well, shoulder to shoulder. We sweated with them. We worked with them. We welcomed them. We ate together. We broke bread together. We gave thanks together. We just want to say thank you for everything and bless the walk, that they get there safely and nothing happens to them on their way, and that they are welcomed with whatever city they come into, and they are nourished, and nothing happens. And thank you for everyone who has lended support in this event. And we just want to say thank you, oh, 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 oh. And at this time, I would like to introduce um, Didney.
5: Thank you. I just got to give you a little brief of history about the American Indian Movement. The American Indian Movement Walk with Cesar in 1966. We have always supported the Latinos, the Mexicans, and other people who join us on this walk. So we're here to support you. We know the struggle of your people. I come out the fields with Cesar Chavez. I know Dolores Huerta. I know Paul Chavez. I know the people. We've been 500-mile runners, and we've been running for many, many years. And we want to thank the creator for everything that he gives us on this earth. And you know what? Cesar Chavez would be very proud of you for walking for your people. Who's going to work them fields beside you? Who's going to work them? I worked them fields, and I know how hard it is when I got 10 cent a bucket and 25 cent for a box of fruit. So I know the struggle that you go through every day, working hard, working hard for everything. And Cesar Chavez your ancestors should be very proud of you to walk today. Stay safe, stay in prayer, and we want to present you with a banner, and I hope they could roll it out. I know in the walk is 10 miles. We walked across the United States in 1978, and it took five and a half months because they had 11 bills pending in Congress against Native American people and your people. And we met Muhammad Ali, who supported us. So I want to give this medicine to Dolores Warta. She had worked very hard. I want to give this medicine to Dolores. I know her, she's very good. She has always been with the American Indian movement. And Dennis Banks of the American Indian Movement. So we're here to support you. And we hope you accept this banner. We're here to support you in your struggle to protect the land and your ancestors. Because Cesar Chavez should be very proud of you. He's looking down at you and your ancestors are looking down at you. So this is what we bring you to support you in your struggle. Thank you very much. And we say Oh matakeasi, and ho, ho.
1: This is Miguel Gabila Molina, reporting for Flashpoints. I'm here today with Diana Torres, who is the executive administrator for the United Farmworkers Union, and it's a great pleasure to have us with us here today. Diana, it's quite a day. There's a feeling of revival, of renewal. As I'm talking with you, I have goosebumps because I myself personally have a history with United Farmworkers. but to see this today and to see a mixture of all ages and all peoples, not just La Raza, not just the campesinos, but people in solidarity and support. And it seems to be growing. What is your take on today, and what do you expect of this march?
6: Well, this pilgrimage really is a a dedication to the very workers who nourish not only California, but the whole nation, and also many parts of the world. And so um, the fact that farm workers have to march in the heat to send a message to the governor, that Governor Newsom can't ignore the fact that farm workers deserve the opportunity to be able to vote for an election during an election from their home without having to be at the workplace where they may feel intimidating, intimidated. And so this is this is something that is very basic that other voters during election seasons have. Um, And so we hope that this is going to call attention to the fact that the governor must react in a positive way, that he must acknowledge the fact that he and his family are nourished by farmworkers, that everyone who is in this state benefits from the hard work that they do, and that farmworkers deserve the opportunity to have benefits, to have a union, to have a voice at the workplace.
1: Absolutely. And and, uh, uh, I I call uh, Gavin just Gavin uh, because he hasn't earned the right to be called governor by myself uh, because he's ignored us. And uh, I believe uh, uh, about a half a year ago, uh, we met in Napa at his fancy restaurant, the French Laundry, and the farm workers were there. And it was a walk uh, from uh, Yontonville in the the Napa Valley uh, from the French Laundry uh, restaurant. To his estate, to his winery, which I think is called a saddleback winery. You know, I think it's like a three hundred million dollar estate. And uh, who do you see out there working? Farm workers. But but uh, but the uh, but Gavin is clueless, just completely clueless. He's been silver spooned and you know come amongst the rich and the privileged and the entitled. So for us today, and myself particularly, and my compañero here, Pedro Reyes, this is a spiritual journey that we're coming to be in solidarity. And the message is clear that. Workers, period, deserved the right to unionize, and farm workers in particular. And back in 1966, when the first pilgrimage happened, it was to bring attention to the plight of farm workers who were invisible, and yet are the backbone, the shoulders, the arms, the hands that made California into an agricultural empire. And the fifth economic power on earth, where does it come from? It comes from farm workers. And I know that last year there was an attempt to have a similar bill passed and, you know, he vetoed it. So this is the second time. And it's interesting that midterm elections are happening in November. So if his advisors, if he has any Latinos or he just might have Hispanics on his staff to advise him, they're advising him wrong. He needs to come out. He needs to address the people. You know, and one thing, Diana, I I remember throughout the years, different efforts by the farm workers on marching on the Capitolio. There was a couple of instances where Jerry Brown came out and marched, marched with the people. And one time, I remember he was giving out water. This guy here, you know, the the governor now, uh, which, uh, you know, He was carried under the wings of former Governor Jerry Brown, you know, as lieutenant governor, to be where he's at today. But he's completely ignored us. So what do you hope, you know, happens once we do reach Capitolio? And it looks like in every city, this group is going to grow and grow and grow.
6: What do you hope for? What we hope for is very clear. He needs to sign. He needs to sign this bill. And he needs to demonstrate that farm workers contribute economically day in, day out, during a pandemic, during wildfires. They're out there doing the brutal work uh, of nourishing this state, and he just needs to act. And so um, the fact that he vetoed this bill last year was... For many, very surprising, right? Like what it was a a, a slap in the face to farm workers. Um, And the fact is that people are watching that if he truly cares about these human beings who work so hard day in and day out, who contribute, that he needs to act. There's only one thing he can do, and it's sign the bill. And,
1: And if he doesn't, what is the next step?
6: We're we're the weather crowd. So we are marching um, because we feel positive about the message that many supporters across the state are telling us, that there are no ifs, ands, or buts he must sign.
1: And, And it's really important you made a point that particularly in this particular season, this is firestorm season, you know, as we walk through the valley, we still got the Yosemite fires. We still have that smoke, toxic air blanketing the valley and we're walking through it. Which brings up the point, Diana, that I believe he recently declared uh, certain parts of California as a state of emergency because of the fires, you know, Yosemite and up in McKinley, up there in the north. And when that happens, there are towns that have been evacuated. There's whole regions of evacuation orders. People need to move out. And and we saw that a, a couple of years back when the massive Wildfires were happening in Napa. And there's an image, a picture that was distributed and went viral where it shows the evacuation order came, people left. And in the middle of the valley, you see on both sides of the Napa Valley, they're on fire. And everyone's been evacuated, except you look in the massive vineyards and you see these dots. When you do a close up, there's a farm workers working. There's fires on both sides of the valley. Everyone, even horses, livestock, was evacuated, except for those humans. So my question is to Gavin, are these essential workers And during evacuation orders by the State Department of Forestry, does that include farm workers? And if you're going to leave farm workers out there, you're going to provide them with fire protective clothing. Are you going to provide them with masks, respirators, filters? Are you going to provide them with safety? And, and and if the fire is raging, how essential are they also, because they're human beings, to be evacuated or left behind as they have been? So that's a big question. And I know in some of the northern counties, there are massive debates right now amongst board of supervisors that are trying to answer that question. You know, So again, I mean, this is so important. And then, of course, countless issues. A lot of people don't even consider farm workers, agricultural workers as being homeless. Well, I know in the northern counties, probably a third of the farm laborers are homeless, living in the bush, living in the brush, in creeks you know, next to the ranch or next to the orchard, next to the fields. So really, I mean, we talk homelessness, and homelessness isn't just something that happens within towns and cities. It's something that's happening, you know, amongst agricultural workers. So that's something else that needs to be addressed.
6: Yeah, and I mean, the the very fact that a worker can have a union makes a huge issue. It's, it makes a difference, right? The fact that a worker can negotiate wages, that they can negotiate benefits, that they could potentially have health care. I mean, the UFW Foundation did a survey of over 12,000 farm workers who responded simply. 95% of them responded that they didn't have health care. And so having a union at the workplace brings voice to workers that they are protected because they have a union. And so making that change where farm workers are able to vote for unionization in, a, in their home where they feel safe without having the foreman looking over to see if they're voting or not, um, is very critical. And so the heart of the matter is that unions are good. Unions help workers in so many different ways. And I must say, um, in my experience early on in in working with the United Farm Workers Union, in one of the campaigns that I worked on, um, many of the workers were being told just the mere fact of going and voting would be cause for them not to have housing the following year. Right. So it wasn't just, are they going to vote? Yes. Or are they going to vote? No. It was the fact that just being seen, going to the poll to go and put their ballot in to to make that very personal choice. They knew supervisors, and we were out there kind of seeing who was coming in, who was leaving. Um, And so it is a very real thing, intimidation. And so we just need to make this process a safe process. Farm aren't a- asking for very much. They're as- asking the governor to help them exercise their right in this state to vote for.
3: Absolutely.
1: And it's a right that uh, all workers in this country have. And there's also protections that workers and unions get from OSHA, you know, in all these, you know, different groups.
6: Actually, farm workers workers were excluded from the Fair Labor Standards Act in the 1930s. And so across the nation, most farm workers do not have the right to collective bargaining. They were excluded because Southern uh, congressional members at that time said that black workers do not deserve the same rights as white workers. And so these exclusions from overtime, from collective bargaining, still exist today at the national level. So this is an opportunity for the governor to say, not here. In this state, we protect the very people who feed us. And in this state, we're going to set the model for how
1: workers can engage in a union in a safe way. Wow. You just heard the voice of Diana Torres. Thank you so much for being with us and, and giving us insight into the, the the social political reality of United Farm Workers and their attempt to have a voice, have a right to a voice. And as we know, in this country, your vote is your voice. Su voto su voz. Thank you so much, Diana, for being with us. and talking
6: again. Thank
3: you so much. We're here at the 40 Acres with the UFW president, Teresa Romero, who will be marching full time. How are you
4: feeling today? I am feeling excited. Uh, This is, we're at 40 Acres. This is a historical place. This is what Cesar Chavez and Dolores were organized for decades. And this is where farm workers feel at home. And uh, they're energized, they're committed, they want to be here, they want to march. They want, and some of them are our members, but they're marching for other workers. Uh, so they can have the same protections that they have. So it's very exciting.
3: Wonderful. I feel like you have the spirit of those who came before you, and then you have such other greats who are still here, and Dolores Huerta's here. She may not be marching, but
4: boy, is she she in solidarity and looking great. She has spent her life uh, fighting for farm workers' rights, and the fact that she's here today, uh, joining us, uh, seeing us start this March, means means the world to me. Um, she's a, a woman that I admire and I look up to uh, because all the work she has done for farm workers.
3: Tell us a little bit about that particular
4: petition that you're asking Newsom to sign. It is a bill that would give farm workers the opportunity to vote for union representation the way we vote for elected officials, the way we voted for, for, for the governor, where we have uh, options: We can do it in person. We can do it by mail. We can ask somebody to help us to fill the ballot, or we can ask somebody to deliver it for us. That is exactly what we're asking for farm workers. And I think we have seen that in California and everywhere else. I, I know there are people who don't believe in, in, in the electoral college, but there in many places, especially in California, we know that that promotes participation. And we want farm workers to have those benefits uh, that we all have in here in California. You know, currently, farm workers, the only way they can Those vote for union representation is in person, is at the pro- property doors. of the owner. Uh, that is yeah, intimidating. So and uh, if staff, you know, if you probably know, a large majority of farm workers are undocumented. And they're, they're scared. Uh, and many family members work in the same farm. They're scared that if they support the union openly, they're gonna be fired. So let's do it in a way that is gonna protect the workers, that is gonna protect their their desire of whether or not they wanna join a union, and let's give them the freedom uh, to do it in a way where there is no intimidation.
3: Thank you so much.
4: Thank you very much,
3: really appreciate it. Teresa Romero, UFW president. Okay, right here,
0: guys. And then on three, we're gonna give a si se puede, right? One, two,
3: three, si se puede. That was the collect- the collection of various local unions taking a photo with the Huerta, shouting Si se puede.
2: After the prayers and the opening ceremonies, the marchers headed out on the first leg of their journey, a 14-mile walk in the 100-degree heat from Delano to Richgrove, California. When the marchers arrived in Richgrove, they ended the day at the Richgrove Water District building. After a short rest, everyone broke up and went to their guest houses for the night. And the next morning, I spoke with the Vice Mayor of Delano, California, and host for the night of two of the long-distance marchers. This is Veronica Vasquez. Here's what she had to say about becoming the vice mayor of Delano and what she looks forward to doing as an elected official to support the farm workers and the March August 4th. All right. This is free will and Franklin still out here. Now we're in rich Grove and it was the first stop on the first day of the March. And it was a hundred degree night. It felt like the the clouds just kept the heat in all night. And well, it was just, it was terrible sleeping last night. Um, but I'm joined here by uh, the vice mayor of the city of Rich Grove. Uh, oh, sorry, of Delano. <laughs> and she helped out help some of the folks. Let me just have you introduce your, yourself real quick.
8: My name is Veronica Vasquez. I'm the vice mayor of the city of Delano.
2: And so how does it feel, for one thing, just to be um, a vice mayor of such a, a world famous city for being, you know, such a small place? It seems like everybody knows of Delano from the grape strikes and the march. Um Tell us about your quick journey to becoming vice mayor of Delano and
8: Uh, born and raised in the city of Delano. Sorry. I get emotional when I talk about my family. It's just, um, uh, I I do this because of my family. Um, my grandparents, uh, uh, Jenny and Florentino Bosquez, did the fundraising for United Farm Workers. So I grew up at the 40 Acres while they brought in all the bands to raise the money to, to, to get the people to continue to march. So I've been doing this um, since I was little and didn't realize I was part of a movement until I got into college. Uh, I went to school in the Bay Area. And when I, and that's when Cesar Chavez became a national holiday. And I was like, well, you guys don't know about him. I grew up knowing about him. You know, I grew up seeing him stand next to my grandpa. You're like, who's that man that looks like my grandpa? <laughs> you know, so and that's the reason I went off to college. So I could come back home so that I could help my community. And um, in 2020, I decided to run for... or city council, and uh I'm proud to say I had the most votes <laughs> in any race, um, but that speaks volumes because um, I went, uh, I'm also a union president for SEIU 521, the Kern County employees, and I I knock on doors, I help people. You know, labor is how people get insurance, how they get overtime, you know, the basic necessities of what somebody needs. So I had to help with this march. I had to house people because that's what it's all about. It's helping and helping the movement, and that's what I grew up doing. So every time I talk about it, I get emotional because like you know like this is deep this is what it's all about you know this is what makes me happy and my heart happy because i know it's helping the community and it's helping nationwide what we do here i mean like you said the city of delano may be small but we're well known for the tough work that we do in the paving that we do for the movement and that's why i house and um i house Lourdes. lordis garden yesterday and there's going to be a documentary on this and the film crew went to my home yesterday and they interviewed her and it it was just so beautiful just to hear her story and hear why she's doing it and it just made me you know even then realize more i'm just happy that i could be part of a small part of it because she's the one doing the walk she's the one going to sacramento i'm just glad i could give her a cool place to sleep in and a nice bed for her
2: and her sister well let's talk about what is the city of delano doing to protect the farm workers because we we know like statewide or even in the united states States in general, there can be um, a lot of discouragement of farm workers or um, used as like some sort of political scapegoats. But what are you all doing in the city of Delano to take care and protect the people that feed the nation?
8: What we're doing is we're we're trying to get elected officials to get into office so that they can make those changes and change those policies. And that's what we try to do in our city is to be the the stomping ground to make that happen. That's the main goal, because right now our city council is majority of pro union and that's a big deal and it, it was exciting for many when we took over the council in twenty twenty.
2: And talk about um, you mentioned you housed a couple of the folks. Tell us again a little bit more about um, you know, what it was like just to have a couple of guests that you know are on this this pilgrimage, some people are calling it.
8: It was beautiful. I, I, I made it a point to make it special for them. I had a sign out there for them. I had balloons out there. My neighborhood knew I was housing people. I, I wanted it to be known to everybody that I was doing something beautiful for these people because I know they're going to be on a long journey. You know, I made it, you know, a point to have, you know, Gatorades, waters, you know, flowers next to their bed, <laughs> you know. I wanted I wanted them to feel special because they were special to me and and they're special to making this happen. And it, it was just you know, and the fact that, you know, when they showed up, you know, they did get teary-eyed. You know, they did feel special. And that's what I wanted to do for them because, to me, they're special. And they're, they're the real reason this is happening. They're doing the hard work. And it was it was nice. You know, I, I like I said, my family was part of the movement. So I brought out some old um, photo albums of my grandfathers of old clippings of when, <laughs> when they marched in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And my grandfather passed away in the early 90s. So I brought out all my books. I um I was... My family gave me all the the family heirlooms of, I have magazines, I have books, um, I have a book that Dolores Huerta signed and she's like, hold on to this, there's only a hundred (laughs) copies. So that's what we did last night. We we had a moment together and we went over, you know, just different things and, you know, just talking about the history of the movement, you know, and then telling her, you're keeping, you know, you're keeping that that history going (laughs) by what you're doing currently.
2: And a lot of people, we just talked a little bit about um, how the immigrants or the people doing the farm labor uh, may just be frowned upon they're not always getting the benefits that um, regular citizens are getting of the United States. Talk about why it's so important to um, keep them in mind and not forget about them and also talk about you know how we wouldn't be able to eat the fruits and vegetables I didn't if we would. Were-
8: they they, they they give us our simple, you know, they, our everyday food. And like you said, one of the things during the pandemic that the city did is we did a lot of food distributions for them. You know, we had them monthly and that was something that wasn't being done. We made sure that we had a lot of vaccination clinics, you know, make sure that, you know, they were getting it because they don't have the medical. And those are the things that need to happen that you need, we need to provide to them. And, you know, we're still looking for more resources on how we can help, you know, undocumented people, because that's what it's about. I mean, they're they're a good population of my community, and I definitely don't forget it, and neither do my colleagues. And we make a point to let them know that. Like I said, the person I had at my home was special, but they're also special as farm workers, and we want them to know that they're special and that they're a priority for us as a council.
2: And I guess before I let you go, just what would you like to say to people out there listening to this and um, just knowing that there's people right now walking still Today and they got 22, 23 more days to head all the way to Sacramento.
8: I would highly encourage them to, if they can't be there to greet them, to join them, then to donate, and then also when the documentary launches, their website to donate to the documentary because the documentary is going to need money to actually execute the documentary. So there's many different ways that people can help out with this movement, and they have lots of opportunities because they're going to be stopping at lot of lot of towns throughout the California. (laughs)
2: All right. So I've been speaking with Veronica Vasquez, the vice mayor of Delano. Is there anything else you want to say to anybody out there?
8: Nope. Just thank you. Be supportive. And if you can't open up your pocketbooks to help this happen. And when you see these people, talk to them, hear
9: their stories, because they're very special.
2: Definitely. They're feeding us. So thank you very much.
8: Yes. Thank you.
9: (laughs) Oh, hello, I'm Esmeralda Hurtado and I'm out here supporting the farm workers because both of my parents are farm workers. They've been farm workers for 20 plus years actually working. They're working right now um, and just wanting to support the movement. I've seen, you know, the intimidation that does happen, the oppression that happens in those spaces. And it's definitely time to change those areas for the farm workers to ensure that they have the equity and the you know, the privilege that they truly deserve for the work that they're doing for our community. You know, they do a lot in feeding and providing food for everybody's home. And the least they could have is safe and um, like a, a safe union as well. And one that's not filled with intimidation and a lot of just yuckiness. So I'm here supporting and doing what I can, again, for my family, but also for everybody else's family out here who is being impacted.
3: And uh, how long have you had a line of farm workers in your family?
9: Uh, My parents are the first ones. They came to the United States in 92 and started in the farms right away. So they've been out here in, in these fields since 92. And, again, just seeing what they've been through and what they've gone through. It's always just like, and there's been change. I I won't say there hasn't been, but there's a lot more that can still be done.
3: You know, we talk a lot about the plight and the dangers and a lot of really the terrible working conditions. But what I would like to do is uh, also ask you about what are some of the coolest things that your parents talk about, about doing the work itself?
9: Yeah, I mean, they've taught me how to grow different crops and stuff which has been I think amazing they have so much knowledge and what it means to you know plant something and nurture it and make it grow and so thankfully we've also have have created our own little garden in our backyard and that's something I do with my parents even now we have our lemon tree our orange tree our guava we have pomegranate so it's like Because of that, we're also able to create our own like field in our backyard. And hopefully it's still growing right now, but hopefully, you know, continue to be able to feed my family in the near future.
3: That's fantastic. And sometimes we, you know, we think about what it takes to grow plants and trees and it can take a lot of time and energy. And yeah, there are people who've got the green thumb, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, But it also is a skill it definitely is a skill um, is there anything special you do to your guava trees or do they just put them in the ground? What would you, what kinds of skills are, do you see that you have learned from your parents? I mean, of course, you probably learn on your own as well.
9: Yeah, no, they definitely know how to prep the soil, ensuring that the nutrients are in there, the proper nutrients for the specific plant. And then a cutting, you have to do a lot of different cutting and trimming. And so they, they go out and do that. They have their special gloves and their scissors and they, they'll show me like, okay, this is how you do it and this is how you move the scissors so you don't, get hurt because you're gonna get you could get hurt or if you use this motion constantly it's gonna hurt you're gonna get blisters so do this instead so it's just like those techniques that again are essential for any type of farming that you're doing they've they've acquired those skills and just techniques to know how to do it and in, in the sense that so they don't get hurt for long since they're doing it for long periods of time
3: and what kinds of um are they working nectarines right now what are they working in right now they're
9: doing great. So they're currently, yeah, in LMR doing, I believe they're just cutting and trimming at the moment because the grapes aren't fully ready.
3: Yeah, I had, my parents were farm workers, um, but they'd already retired long before they had me. Um, and so I would mainly hear the stories. Um, and so you would, they would actually travel in like migrant camps, right? And so all of the kids would have to help out, Um Tell me about what are some of the blessings that you and or your parents talk about that the farm work has provided for you and your family?
9: I think definitely for them, it's just like that's some stability to be able to get us through and um, allow us the opportunity for, you know, getting through college and, getting access to all of that because it's something that they didn't get through. So I know they've always tried their best to save any side money to get us any opportunities um, to get us out to college. And that, that's been like the biggest, I think, blessing is the access to academia that I would not have had. Whatsoever had my parents not just continued to do their work.
0: This is Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. That does it for today's program. This has been, again, part one of a four part series a Flashpoints documentary on the 355 mile farm worker pilgrimage, hosted and produced by Miguel Gavilan Molina. And that wraps it up for another episode of Flashpoints. Our executive producer is Dennis Bernstein. Senior producers are Miguel Gavilan Molina and Kevin Pina technical director is Mike Biggs. For previous episodes, go to kpfa.org or flashpoints.net. For questions or comments, email dennis at kpfa.org. Thank you for listening.